Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. So good to see each of you in the house of the Lord this morning. Let's give our visitors a good round of applause. We're glad you're with us today. Praise God. And after service today, uh, Pastor Steve Kiley will be meeting with you. In the back, we've got some refreshments for you, and you can ask all the questions you want, because there is the man with all the answers right there. Joshua chapter 1, and just the eighth verse. This book of the law, this is the instruction of God to Joshua, shall not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success." So if you came here today and you didn't feel like you were a success, here's the formula. Because God wants you to be a success at everything he calls you to do. Amen? So just before you're seated, I I feel impressed to, to pray a prayer, and you won't be able to probably pray with me, but if you can agree with me at the end, God's gonna hear your single voice of agreement when you say amen, if you can. All right, so let me pray with you. Jesus, I take authority against every spirit that is not of God in this sanctuary today. The enemy is a liar and a thief, and he's out to destroy. But today, Lord, I pray that only your spirit will be allowed in this sanctuary. I pray, Lord, that only you can speak to people this morning. I pray that you will touch the eyes of those who have never seen spiritually and open their eyes. I pray that you will unstop the ears of people that have never heard the full truth and let them hear the truth. I pray that you will deliver of every spirit of confusion that would come to people's minds and help them to fully understand your precious truth. And then, Lord, by your Spirit, draw these people to yourself that they might respond with not only understanding and knowledge, but with obedience. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. You may be seated. Today I'm going to talk to you about, don't mess with the monkey bread. Don't mess with the monkey. How many of you have ever had monkey bread? Oh, a few of you haven't had it. I got some right up here today. My wife made some for us today. And uh, it's good stuff. I even looked up monkey bread on Wikipedia. And it it says that it is a pastry that got its name from the idea that monkeys would take one piece and pop it up and catch it with their mouth. So that's how it got the name monkey bread. And it is delicious. Can I get an amen to that? But I want to talk to you for a little bit about about bread and the importance of bread in your diet and in mine. 
By the way, for you vegans today, you're probably not going to want to hear this, but God only dropped two things out of heaven for us to eat, manna and quail. So that means he wants all of us to eat sandwiches. And quail being kind of a darker meat would probably go good with mustard. So there you go. That's, that's what God dropped. So don't get on people that eat sandwiches. All right? John chapter 6, I've asked uh, Brother Gerbing to be my reader today. John chapter 6, verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. He professes to be the bread of life. John 6, or excuse me, Matthew 6 and 11. Give us this day our daily bread. That's part of what we call the Lord's Prayer. So bread is absolutely vital to your diet. Now, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years, God dropped bread. It was called manna, which means what is it? They did not understand what it was, but it must have been very nutritious because they didn't get sick. They were extremely healthy. There was no disease. And every day for six days, he would drop the manna. On the sixth day, he would drop a double portion so that they wouldn't have to gather on the Sabbath. Now, the people tried. They were warned not to try and gather more than just that every day. And when they tried to do it, the manna would spoil on them. And the reason, this is my opinion, the reason that God dropped bread every day and not just dropping a weekly supply was because he wanted to teach his people to be dependent on him on a daily basis. Not a weekly basis. Not a monthly basis. But every day, the man is going to drop except on the sixth day. You need me every day. That's why he offered this model prayer and said, give us this day our daily bread. We can't get by on just Wednesday and Sunday. We've got to stay in the word. Some devotional, some Bible study, some group gathering needs to have the bread. How many of you like to eat when you fellowship? We had our 55 plus meeting on Friday night, we had over 20 people here, and now we're called the Silver Owls. <laughs> now, I don't know if I can get by with that. I do have a little silver, I just have a lot less. But here's what I'm thinking is happening in my life. I think that the reason that my hair is not growing out is because it's growing in. That's why I forget things and things are a little more fuzzy. How many of you can relate to me? Is there anybody else? You don't remember as much? But the Silver Owl group admitted that they have to have food at their fellowships. They can laugh and they can have fun, but we got to have something to eat. How many are you going to eat today? There we go. So it's absolutely necessary. And here's another thing I want to say to you. Do not get caught into eating leftovers all the time. Now, leftovers might be good for a day or two, only because you don't want to waste 
what you've already prepared. But we can't say, Brother Cordell, 10 years ago I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I've never spoken tongues since. I can remember a time in my life when the worship service moved me and I would rush to the altar and I would worship. I have a historical event in my life rather than a relationship that continues to progress. If any of you have been married for a long time, you have realized that your relationship is meant to get better as you get older. It becomes stronger. It becomes more meaningful. But if you say, you know, honey, I came to the altar 50 years ago and I said I do and I told you that I loved you and if I change my mind, I'll tell you otherwise, but that ain't going to work. And it's not going to work with God either. Whatever we do, we need to be in one accord. Can I get an amen to that? If we're going to have a worship service, then we all need to sing. If we're going to have a prayer meeting, then we all need to pray. You know it took the uh, disciples, 120, seven days to get in one accord, even though they were in one place? It's not enough to be in one place. We need to be in one accord. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God. Then we all clap our hands. Oh, lift your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. And we all lift our hands and we pray. I made an exception today. I said, let me pray, and if you can say amen. But normally, we all pray. There's not just somebody up there doing it all. That's how we get in one accord. Now, I want to tell you where this message really came from. Several weeks ago, I was on an airplane, and before I got on the airplane, I said, Lord, it looks like it's going to be a, a full flight, so my wife and I are not going to be able to sit alone. So I put her on the inside by the window, and I sat in the middle seat, and it was obvious that because of this full flight, somebody was going to be sitting next to me. So I said, Lord, the person that you put next to me, if there's something you want me to say or something I need to learn, bring them. And so this guy sat down next to me, and he was a real friendly guy. He said, hey, my name's Tim, and here's where I live. And I said, well, Tim, you know, you know, just the small talk. What do you do for a living, Tim? He said, well, I am, I am the, the financial manager of a large corporation. Oh, I said, well, that, that's great. He said, what do you do? And I said, well, I, I pastor a church in southeastern Wisconsin, Abundant Life. Oh, oh, he said. I heard that groan, oh. I said, well, what does that mean? He said, well, he said, pardon me for being frank, but I, I see church, all churches is pretty much the same. I said, and how's that? He said, well, they all want you to come and, and put in your time and contribute financially, and they all got different doctrines and stuff, and it really doesn't matter, you know. Just, just come to church, that's your pass for heaven. That's pretty much pretty much the way it works. And before I could say a lot, he said, and I'm really tired, and I need to get some rest. <laughs> so he carried the entire conversation and then shut me off. 
So I said, well, God, I said, I'm not just going to let this happen without saying something. Finally, after a little while, I nudged him. <laughs> I said, hey, hey, uh, I got something to say. Yeah, what is it? I said, well, let me ask you this. You said you're a financial manager. Yes, sir. I said, all right. I said, do you operate with formulas? Math, I, I, I would assume a lot of this has to do with math, procedures, formulas that you, you have to follow to come to a proper conclusion and to be able to report your findings. And he said, well, yes, yes, that's true. I said, all right. I said, are you aware of the formula of salvation? The formula of salvation. Now, if I change your financial formula at the place that you work, will I get the proper result at the end? And he said, no, you can't change the formula. I said, see, there's where the problem is. You said that all churches are the same. They're not the same. But what has happened is we have tampered with the formula. We have changed the formula and that's where we are getting all messed up. Now, uh, Chad, would you read Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9? Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of man, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For he... For in him dwelleth all fullness of Godhead bodily. Okay, I'm going to take a side route here because this happened in church today and I just can't get away from it. When we started singing about that powerful name, that beautiful name, that name that heals, that name that delivers, that name that saves, oh, that moves me. That moves me. For in him... Not in them. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And I, I had a flashback a couple years ago, right during this song. And I had a man that came to my office and he said he wanted to ask some questions, but really what he wanted to do was debate and argue. He said, you know, I used to be a Christian, but now I... I believe in Judaism and maybe I'm somewhere in between these two and I want to talk about the titles and the names and all that stuff and, and so I, I tried to be patient with him and I tried to reason with him but he stepped over the line and I, I read Acts 4 and 12 to him which says neither is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved and he said that's just semantics it's not magic and I said sir I'm very careful not to use his name I said sir please stand up he stood up I said I want you to get out of my office get off of this property and don't bother coming back till you come back with a better attitude now and his eyes got real big. and you know this is not me you know I'm a pretty kind person for the most part but he stepped over the line. I don't know of anything more precious than the name of Jesus. I don't know of anything more powerful than the name of Jesus. D. 
Demons tremble. People are too stupid. You better be real careful about the way you use the name of Jesus. His eyes got real big and, I, and he didn't get up. And I said, I mean it. And I stood up. I said, I meant what I said. Now get up. And he got up and walked out and he's never bad back since. We need to stand for the name of Jesus. We are the people of the name. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all. Do everything. How are we going to baptize? In the name. How are we going to pray for the sick? The name. Do everything. That's why we conclude every prayer with in Jesus' name. I got a banana here. My granddaughter is going to help me today. Delena. Here, Delena. Now read the, read the first Colossians 1.26, please. Beware. You want me to read? Yeah. Beware lest any man spoil. Again. Spoil. Talk okay. about spoil. Beware lest any man spoil through philosophy in vain, deceit after tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now this banana, how many of you would like to eat this banana? Do I have any takers? This is a spoiled banana. I even microwaved this banana. I made this banana as ugly and unappealing. I didn't even peel it. Would you like this banana? I'm good. (laughs) Beware, listen now. Here's instruction. Beware lest any man. Man is spoiling us. We're spoiled. With philosophy. Well, you know, I've been to school. I've been to seminary. You know, I've got a lot of education. I've got degrees. So what? I don't care about your degrees. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word won't pass away. You're going to pass away. What you say is going to pass away, but the word's not going to pass away. So don't spoil me with your philosophy. Don't tell me what you think. Tell me what the word of God... Somebody say amen. Tell me what the word of God says. Because I don't want to be spoiled. I don't like rotten bananas. Tradition, rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Hmm. So in our airplane visit, I got to thinking about banana bread. Oh, oh, just hold this and look at it for a minute. Don't touch. I want to read to you the recipe. This is my wife's recipe. Monkey bread, four cans of biscuits, half cup sugar, two teaspoons of cinnamon, two teaspoons of butter, one and a quarter cups of brown sugar, two teaspoons of water, half a cup of nuts, quarter the biscuits, roll them in cinnamon, sugar that has been combined, put in a greased bunt pan. Then you melt the butter, the brown sugar, and the water, boil for two minutes, and pour over the biscuits. 
Then you will bake it at 350 degrees for 30 minutes. Here is the recipe. This is the formula for monkey bread. Now, just try a piece of this here. Don't be bashful, just tear a hunk. How do you like it? It's amazing. Amazing, huh? Okay, put that back, please. Okay, okay. Try this one. Try that. Just try it. it. Tastes like I just ate a sponge. <laughs> you said it tastes like I just ate a sponge. You don't like it? Mm-mm. Put it I back. Like, I like the one that has the most sugar. <laughs> you, want, you got a bad taste in your mouth, so I'm going to let you have one more piece oh, of okay. the good stuff. Thank you. What happened here is half of these. Thank you. You've done a great job. The formula got changed. She didn't stick with the formula. Sister Kylie, did you stick with the formula on the other half? And that's what ruined the monkey bread. For those of you that are thinking about rushing this altar during the altar call, The darker ones are the ones that are no good. Oh, taste and see. Isn't that the scripture? Psalm 34 and 8, Brother Gerbing. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Matthew 5 and 6, please. Blessed are they that which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. They shall be filled and he said he was the bread of life so only he can satisfy not only your need but your taste. Now let me say something to you about your relationship to God. God tastes things too. Now we have choices that we make, right? God has choices too, did you know that? God makes his own choices. He's sovereign. He said, he talked about his food. He said, I like it either hot or cold. If I don't get it the way I like it, I spit it out. Doesn't sound like good manners, but you get something bad in your mouth like Delena just had. I had to have a garbage can here in case she spit it out. But I want God to taste my life and say, that's pleasing to me. And he has given me the formula to accomplish that. And if I do, as he has recommended, not only will my way be prosperous, which I think has to do with things that I acquire, But he said to Joshua, you will be a success. I want to be a success. And to me, success is heaven with Jesus. I'll take the prosperity, but I want the success. That's ultimately what I want. And so I said, Tim, we got to go back 
to the formula. Did you know, Tim? And I'm saying it to you too today. Did you know there is not one infant ever baptized in the scripture? Zero. There is nobody ever sprinkled for baptism in the scripture. After the baptism of John, which we don't know what words he said, all the candidates were baptized only in the name of Jesus in the scripture. So how did we get so far away and so diverse in our Christianity? We got away from the formula. We tampered with it. We changed it. We wanted to make it more convenient for you. We wanted to give you a philosophical point of view, a traditional, a rudiment, and we wanted to take Christ out. And when we did that, we got this, which nobody's going to eat. I'll leave it there for you, though. Nobody will want to eat it. It's terrible. Thank you, Brother Cordell. I appreciate What a great servant you are. Thank you for that. But nobody's going to want to eat that, and God's not going to eat it. And that's the most important thing. God's not going to eat it. So let me make sure that you understand this, and then I'll quit. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we behold his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I will stop there. I would have thought that love would have been one of those two. Wouldn't you? I mean, everybody talks about how God is love, right? And he is. But when it talks about what he was full of, it only mentions grace and truth. Because truth will bring you to grace. And if you get grace, you're a success. Full of grace and full of truth. There are people, I'm gonna be really bold today, there are people that can out-worship you. Their worship might be more lively than yours. There are people that can out-witness you. They can pound on doors and, and promote their doctrine. They're more aggressive than you are. There are people that are better entertainers than you are. They can put on programs and all kinds of things that will entertain you for an hour or less because that's all they have to offer. But you know what I'm interested in? I'm interested in the presence of God, the power of God, the truth of God, and the grace of God. What separates us from all people? Truth. Let me prove it to you. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. There it is. What makes us different from everybody else? Truth. The formula. We're not messing with it. 
it might not be convenient. It's not easy to come to an altar and boo-hoo about all the things that you've done wrong in your life and feel so guilty and ashamed. That's not easy. But it's required. And it's not easy to say, you know, I'm going in the wrong direction and I admit it and I'm willing to change and, and I'm going to do whatever God asks me to do. It's not easy, but it's required. That's repentance. It would be easier to just bring you up here and, and throw a few drops of water on you than to take you into what sometimes might be a cold baptismal tank. It's not easy, but that's what's required of you to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. It's not an option. It's mandatory. Oh, I don't believe that. Well, go ahead. Doesn't matter what you believe. It matters what the formula is. Because if you want to be a success and you want to be pleasing to God and, and you want to be the kind of person that God says, I want to spend eternity with you. Did you ever think of that? That God would want to spend eternity with you. It's not just about you wanting to spend eternity with him. I want to be so pleasing, so irresistible to God that he's excited to be in my presence, not just me in his. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And the only way that comes is by saying, I believe your word and I'm going to take it literally and I'm going to obey it to the umpteenth. No changes, no compromise. Proverbs chapter 23, 23. Buy the truth and sell it not as wisdom and instruction and understanding. Truth has a cost. It has a cost. It's not the most popular. Well, you got your way of thinking of things and I got mine. That doesn't matter. I, had, I, I was pretty firm with Tim. But I figured I only get one shot with this guy. And if that's his opinion of what the church is, he needs to find an apostolic Pentecostal church where they're still preaching the formula because they want the intended product. The intended product. Let me make sure you understand Acts 2, 38 through 39, Brother Gerby. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay, now let me tell you what the world will do. Feel bad about your sins. Be baptized any way you want. Or not. What is that? You're changing the formula. He said, every one of you. It's the same plan for everybody. Because God is no respecter of persons. And he said, I am the way, not the ways. I am the truth. And I am the one that gives eternal life. I'm sticking with the way the truth, and the life. Stick with it. Finish it. 39, please. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all of that 
are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, who's left out of that? Nobody. You all get the same opportunity, as long as we continue to stay with the formula. If you will repent, if you will be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, you will receive the promise, the gift of the Holy Ghost. The promise is for everybody. The baptism in Jesus' name is for everybody. That's the formula. Acts 8, 12. But when they believed, Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Men and women, okay. Keep on reading. 13. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that they were Samaria, that received the word of God, they sent into them Peter and John, whom when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Why had these people not received the Holy Ghost? They hadn't met the requirement of a, for, of a part of the formula. They hadn't been baptized in Jesus' name. None of them. So they had to stick with the formula. And when they did... They laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 10. There was a certain man in Sirius called Cornelius, and centurion of a band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision... Event, evidently about the ninth hour of day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is the Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send me to Joppa and call for one Simon, those surname is Peter. He logged Logeth with Simon and Tan- Tanner, those house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Okay, stop right there. Up to this point in the scripture, no Gentiles have ever received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They are excluded from the formula. Only Jews can be saved. And so, now, God is about to open the door to the Gentiles through Peter. And so this man sends his soldiers to go and fetch Peter. Now watch what happens in 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them, all of them which heard the word. And when they were circumcised, which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also were poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God, then answered Peter 
came any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So here's the formula being repeated again. Only this time people receive the Holy Ghost before they're baptized. And they are astonished as the Jews that came with Peter and said, you know what, they've had exactly the same experience. They're in the same formula that we're in. God is now doing something with the Gentiles that we thought he could only do with the Jews. And after they received the Holy Ghost, Peter said, ah, something missing in the formula. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Do you see it? One last example. Acts 19, verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Emphasis, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto one, what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Stop. I want to make sure you see this. This is a question you can ask your friends. Don't call them unbelievers. Don't call them sinners. How about this? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you became a believer? I'm assuming you're a believer. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you became a believer? And they said, we don't know what you're talking about. And most of your friends are going to say that too. And then you go back to the formula and say, uh-oh, something's missing in the formula. Let's talk about your baptism. How were you baptized? And they're going to say, well, my parents took me to a church as an infant, and they baptized me. And rather than argue with them about the mode of baptism, how about this? They did what they thought was right. That's what happened with John's baptism. These guys had been baptized by John the Baptist. That's what they thought was right. But John had told them, when Jesus comes, you follow him. All right, so let's read the next verse. And there it is again, the same formula, believing, repenting, water baptism, receiving the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. The pattern is repeated over and over and over again and includes always the same elements, never adding, never subtracting, never tampering, because one of the last warnings of the scripture is found in Revelations Chapter 22, let's stand together.
verses 18 and 19, please. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of the book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in the book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from all the things which are written in this book. We are warned not to add nor to subtract. Just stick with the formula and don't change it. Last Sunday morning, <clears throat> we had some guests. My, our family had some guests and many of you had guests as well. And I sat there as Brother Cordell preached and, I, and uh, I, we had a great worship service. Brother Cordell was preaching a great message. And the thought occurred to my mind, I'm just being totally honest with you. You know, this is, this is a pretty simple message. And the Lord spoke to me and said, but is it simple to the person that you brought today? Will they fully understand the message that I'm trying to get to them? Because church services are not just for you. This isn't about us, and especially on a Sunday morning. Brother Dan Gerbing said something that I will never forget. He said, I come to church on a Wednesday night to get something from God. I come to church on a Sunday morning to give something to somebody else. Our Sunday morning services, now you may take a look at this message and say the same thing I said. Man, that, that's almost too simple. That's, that almost is like baby food. I'm giving you stuff, and so are all the ministers that enter this pulpit, that you can take to the place you work. You might get an opportunity tomorrow and somebody's going to say to you, why are there so many churches? And you can say, don't mess with the monkey bread. Jesus, I pray today, that by your spirit you will draw people to this altar. If they've not believed, repented, been baptized in your name, they would be. If they've not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, that they would. I pray that this altar will be a hot spot for all of us and that we will be in one mind and one accord. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.